Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. If you like what you hear on our show, or if you want to ever go deeper in your sales leadership journey, I'm here for you. I know just how challenging sales leadership can be. I've helped companies get off the ground and hit their first million, million in ARR, and I've led large teams with thousands of sales reps doing billions of new business each year. I've literally sat in almost every single sales leadership role, and I'm here to help. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a senior seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges right now, and if you want someone to talk shop with, I've got you. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth tactics and practices. Today, we're joined by one of the very few repeat guests on the show. Kevin Dorsey is the Vice President of Inside Sales for Patient Pop. Kevin joined us a long time ago, seriously, two years ago, episode number nine of the Sales Leadership Podcast. At True to Form, Katie dropped some awesome knowledge. I mean, he brought the heat back then, and, and that first episode is still one of the top downloaded episodes of our show to date. If you haven't been introduced to Katie, I promise you, you are in for a treat today. If you're not connected with them, I promise you, you need to be before you get done listening to this episode, okay? I have been wanting to get him back on the show for a while, and the craziness of his schedule and the challenges that we're going on and facing has made it tough to do, but we got him back today. I asked him to be on here ASAP because I believe he can help so many leaders, and as we make adjustments with our teams right now, I want to put him in front of the thousands of you around the world that listen to this show every week. Now, for those of you who have been living in a hole in the ground, Kevin has been recognized as a top 10 inside sales leader for a long time now, top 100 sales coach for a long time now. Forget about the top 100. I put him in top five, okay? Honestly, I'm a coaching snob. Right? I don't see very many people as people that really get coaching, but I see Kevin as a peer in this regard. I see him as one of the few that actually really get what coaching is. He's a highly sought-after speaker. Okay, If you haven't watched any of his, of his presentations, you need to. He's one of the best sales coaches I know. He's a killer sales leader driving amazing growth at a high-growth SaaS company. And today's conversation, I promise you it's an important one. Okay, We're going to talk about things that will be difference makers to you as you lead your team. So buckle up. Get ready for a fun ride. And Katie, my man, welcome back to the show. Not welcome to the show, welcome back. And thanks for joining us. My man, I am so excited to, to be back and just to kick it with you. Even just, just chatting with you for an hour, I always leave with ideas and like things. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to go do that. So I'm ready, man. Let's do this again. Let's run it back. Let's see if we can beat the first one. I'm putting that we're out gonna, there right now. I want to try to beat the first one. We're going to beat the first one. And, and you know, I'm, I'm always grateful to, Ke- to KD because when I started this show two years ago, I knew the secret to getting the show off the ground would get badasses in the first 10 episodes. And in fact, Ke- you know, Kevin, you told me that you might remember you said, hey, we might want to do this again because this is such a new show and you've had such good guests. You might want to do this again when you have a bigger listener base. Well, we yep. got that now, brother. So now we're going to really, go. we're going to crush, okay? Let's so. Go. 
listen, you've changed. When I, when I had you on last time, you were in a different role at a different company. Uh, let's have you introduce, you know, what you're doing at Patient Pop, just a high level, what you guys do there and what you do for your customers. Yeah, for sure. So I run the Inside Sales Org at Patient Pop. And so that includes the SDR Org and then also the Inside Closing Org. So as a company, Patient Pop also has a field org that I support through the SDRs and obviously work with the director there very closely. And then a channel org as well um, that we work through with channel partners. And so I have the SDRs and the inside closers. And what Patient Pop does, I mean, at the end of the day, we help good doctors get found by the patients that need them, right? And most doctors, you know, they didn't go to school for marketing, they didn't go to school for business. I think most medical schools spend a whopping four to six hours total on business coaching. Wow. For doctors that then go in and run a business, right? So we help them on the business side of things, you know, finding the right patients, ha- looking good online, understanding like the internet landscape and how patients take that journey. And so it's been a fun ride. Been here for coming up on two years now, have done a lot of growth, both in terms of revenue and headcount and, you know, looking forward to seeing where this thing ends out. Oh, I love it, man. You guys have had great growth. I'm telling you, uh, that company has been noted for its growth. And so Katie's not going to beat his drum as loud as he could. They are doing head-turning shit over there right now. Okay, let's just leave it at that. So my, my theme, Kevin, is maybe you know, I think you know, is we, we want to help people take what the market gives and then some. This show is about the and then some part, right? right. And, and you are a master at the and then some part. So I'm not going to do what I do with other people and have you introduce your, your, how you got to sales. Go back and listen to episode nine. You can listen to how Kevin got into sales. It's a great story, but I don't need to have your time on that. I want a timeline. What's going on now. Okay. How nutty is the time right now, man? I, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Man, like this is something that I'll look back at career wise that has this, what, six month stretch we're on right now. I guess really call it five of like some of the highest highs and also lowest lows I've had as, as a leader you know, and doing what I can to not just get myself through, but get my team through it, which is something I know we're going to talk about, but I don't think it's talked about enough right now on how hard this actually is on salespeople and what they are going through as people. Forget the sales side is hard enough, but the people side right now is also really hard. And it's, it's something that I don't think people are talking about enough. I really don't. Well, I think it's a good thing that we will talk about it here because you have your version of it. Our, our, one of the reasons I love talking to you is we do look through similar lenses. I'm just a senior citizen and, you, and you're the guy who's got lots more road in front of you. People have heard it on the show, you know, do your best work so you can live your best life. I think work and, and life are 100% integrated. I don't think you can have balance anymore. It's all about integration. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I, I took a team through the Great Recession I've taken teams through wars. I ain't never had to take someone through something like this. And you're right. It's hard, man. And so I want to get into at least three or four things and, and true to form. We probably won't get through all of them. We're going to start diving off into this other stuff, but let's start talking about that salesperson side first. One of the first things that happened when the shit started going down, uh, Katie was everyone ran for home. We ran for cover, get out of the office, uh, I'm not trying to be cynical. I mean, I'm, I'm sensitive that if people, this is a real thing that's happened, but we locked ourselves up, right? And we, we did not have the benefit of having an SDR team all working on the same floor together or your people going to lunch together and all that other stuff. I, I want to talk and get your take on that. Hey, what's been the impact on the people? What's been the impact on the business? And how have you, what kind of things are you doing to either 
I don't know, hold on to what you're doing that's working or maybe more important, evolve. So in this new delivery mechanism, the people are okay. And so is the business. For sure. And so, I, you know, I think it's, it's funny. There was a lot of resistance early on, or a lot of people were worried about what would happen to productivity when people yeah. went remote. Okay. And that was the least of my concerns production wise, because, and we've talked about this before offline and I even think in our, our first episode, I'm a very processed and behavioral based leader, right? I focus on processes that allow the behaviors to do what they need to do. So when we went remote, we didn't see a drop in productivity. We didn't see a drop in activity. We didn't see a drop in conversion rates, like, because everything was the same. It was just where we were doing it right? We already had the systems in place, right? So your process didn't change? No, we, because one, I'm an inside org anyway, okay. right? So the, the field org had to go through some shifts, but they were able to lean on the inside org to learn what to do and how to do it. Yep. But we already had like all of our one-on-ones are documented. All of our scorecards are documented. Our call best practice libraries are there. Our schedules, right? When we're role-playing, when we're practicing, that was already built out. Our cadences, our sequences, like all that was already there right? It just changed where we were doing it from. So initially on the sales side, this is why you have to be a process-based leader. This is why you need processes. Like when it's just four of you in a garage, yeah, you can wing it. When you're at a hundred some reps, you can't anymore. No, you, you have cannot. to have processes. And that's where I know a lot of people struggled initially is because there weren't processes in place when they went remote. They're like, well, now how do you build a process remote, Right. So on the process side and productivity side, we were actually fine. What happened, and this is also, you know, what makes some of the business decisions that happen when things no longer work, when you know it's outside of your control, when the same X amount of demos produce less, when the same X amount of calls produce less, like when you can actually look at the behavioral metrics, not just the result-based metrics. Yep. Um, that's also, you know, like a challenge. And that was, you know, where our business got hit so hard is we sell to doctors, we sell to doctors yeah. in a pandemic, right? They got shut down. If you were not an emergency clinic, you couldn't even function, right? And so we were cruising, man. We were cruising. And then we got hit by that, right? And so when I say productivity, I don't mean results. I mean like the behaviors and actions, right? Our results did come down. Doctors couldn't buy. Doctors went out of business, right? But the flip side where we're starting to see the biggest struggles now as a team is the people side, right? When we first went remote, there was a novelty to it. When we first went remote, it was exciting. It was new. Now they miss each other. They, they miss the interactions. They miss the energy. They miss ringing the bell. They miss grabbing coffee after a tough call, right? That's where things are starting to, to break a little bit and trying to do a lot to help them through that. So I'm glad you went there because in our first episode, you made a statement that I have quoted and I've always attributed to you because it was meaningful to me. Uh, in fact, I quoted you recently when we had uh, Laura on our show, you said, I would rather have average, I would rather have average salespeople uh, with killer culture than great salespeople with shitty culture. Mm-hmm. What has, first of all, so you've already addressed, you know, things started to change. They miss each other. That tells me that maybe, you know, that a, you had great culture and now that element of the culture, they started to realize they miss it. 
What have you done to shore up and protect your culture? Because I think that's the first thing that falls apart when you go remote is you say, whoa, I'm realizing how much of our culture actually depended on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one, we defined what culture meant, right? So we define what, what, what is that? Can you share that? Mean? Will you share that? Yeah, a, a set of common beliefs and behaviors that are unguided, right? Mm. And when I say unguided, meaning if you have to force people to do it, it's not a part of your culture, right? Like if you have to force people to hang out, if you have to force people to do, you know, do development or take development seriously, if you have to force people to have integrity because you have massive sticks in place, that's not a culture, right? That's, that's the 10 commandments. That's not a culture. You're not right? Moses. No, like I'm not coming down from Mount Sinai right now. Like that's the last thing we need. Right? And so one, we defined it and we went through this, but what we focused on a lot as we went through this is a culture is made up of behaviors. And so what we did is we got rid of our values and redefine them as virtues. Right. And I actually learned this from the, the book, what you do is who you are from Ben Horowitz, his follow up to the hard things about how um, hard things. And he said, if you don't intentionally create your culture, it happens on accident. No matter what, you have a culture. If you're not intentional about it, it happens on accident. But then what he talked about even further was that everyone talks about values. Values are what you believe. But no one talks about virtues, which is how you behave. And so we redefined our virtues and we reestablished those and we wrote them out and we talk about them weekly. We give like recognition based on the virtues that we have. And so that's one area is just like making sure, because again, everyone that's listening, that's culture good. is not, culture is not happy hours. Culture is not beer on tap. Culture is not like just like fun games and rewards. Cause a lot of those are just conditional culture is like how people behave, you know? And so we went through that and we talk about it every week, every week. We're talking about the culture every week. We're talking about the virtues and who, who stood out for celebrate the process, right? Who stood out for own your shit? You know, who stood out for, you know, seek perpetual growth? Who stood out for every conversation matters? Who stood out for help yourself, your team, and your prospect, right? Like, and like calling out the behaviors that have nothing to do with the results. I think that's a big thing that people need to understand it. And I actually, I said this on, um, I was on a webinar with, um, with Aircall. Cool. Someone asked a question saying like, well, like, you know, since salespeople aren't winning anymore, like, you know, what do you have to do like for your culture? I said, if your culture is dependent upon winning, you don't have a good culture. You have to create a winning culture to get the results, right? But if, if you only have a good culture, and I went through this, we were talking about this right before we launched or kicked off the show, um, back in Snack Nation, we were killing it. We did not miss goal. That did not happen. Right. Like, I mean, every single yep. month we got there, we were on a heater. Right. And I think it'd been like 11 straight months of like blowing out the goal. Right. Like killing it. Yep. And then we, we made some changes and we started to, to miss and the culture fell apart. Wow. And what I'd learned from that, I was like, <laughs> results can blind you from a bad culture. Right. Like, Ooh, say oh, that again, man. Say that. That's a good nugget. This, this is something we're going to get into a little bit. This is good. Results, results can blind you from a bad culture, right? If winning is only time when people are happy, 
if winning's the only time people will work hard, if winning's the only time that people will support each other, you actually don't have a good culture. I went through that. I can't remember how I said this. Wow. Like losing, this is how I said it. Losing exposes a bad culture. Right. That is and, deep. That is good, man. And so, and that's what I talk about with my team is if we can only be tight when we're succeeding, if we can only support each other when we're succeeding, then we don't have the culture that we believe that we have. Right. And that's where we have to focus. So we talk about it a lot and I'm not going to stand on a, a pedestal right now and say our culture is perfect. It's not perfect. I have yet to actually meet a perfect team culture. Yeah. Like, God damn, we're trying. And we are trying everything we can to try to support each other through this. In fact, Kevin, I would say, and, and, and I'll be interested to get your take on it. I've had a few rodeos now. I've been in a lot of different companies, you know, SaaS, high growth, manuf- I mean, all of it. I've, I've, and I work with them all. I work with them in 52 countries. When I hear people drop the P word, literally, that's what I call it, the P word. I've perfected, you know, I've, I've perfected the process. I've perfected the culture. I've perfected the playbook. Whenever I hear the P word, that to me is a sign of a leader that's probably got challenges and I might not even want to work with them because they're resistant to change. That usually, that word usually means I'm change resistant, at least to me. You're, I'll be interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. Like I am far from perfect, but I'm trying. Yeah. If you believe you're perfect, you stop trying to be perfect because you already believe you are there. I know I have flaws. I know that. And I try to work on those, but there's also flaws of mine that I don't try to work on because it's not even worth it, right? I can leverage a strength 10 times higher than I can fix a flaw, right? And so, but like culture is important and I'm learning through this, right? Like I'm learning through these things going, okay, this did work. This didn't work. Okay. I need to do this. Oh, wait a minute. That doesn't seem to be working as well anymore. Okay. We got to change this, right? It's, it's paying attention to it um, on a weekly basis. And we might get into this. Last week and into this week, I've been sitting down with a bunch of reps one on one. Right? Like, I can't wait to dive. We're going to dive into your the Katie approach to the one on one because I want everyone to get exposed to that. So, finish this, but we're going to get into that. Yeah. And so, but it's not a performance one on one, it was a people one on one. Yeah. Right? What What are you hearing? What are you feeling? Here's what I'm noticing from the outside looking in. Does that align with what you're seeing or hearing? What's holding you back? right? Where are you here right now mentally, right? Like checking in on the people side, because on the performance side, I can see certain things happening, but on the people side, I need to know why, right? And, and you've experienced this and anyone listening, like, especially as you start to get layers, right? Where you have rep, team lead, manager, director, then me, man, that's a beautiful game of telephone, right? <laughs> like just, you can put 10 people in the same room, and have one person whisper something in one person's ear. And by the time it makes it to the 10th person, it's already been butchered. Yeah. Like, and so I don't like that game of telephone when it sounds like things aren't matching up. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sit down with reps. I'm going to sit down one-on-one and go, okay, like what's happening? What are we seeing? What are we feeling? How are you feeling? Right. And talking through it. And it's been very, it's been very, I don't know if light enlightening is the right word but it confirmed some things that I thought were happening that weren't making it to me. And at the same time, it also opened up my eyes to how they were describing it. Right. And um, I'll, I'll use a good example here, right? Like one of the phrases that kept getting brought up is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Okay. So when that's the type of language is being used, I can then use that language back as I'm trying to solve things. 
Yeah, that's I, emotional. That's emotional language, man. Yeah. So this is where this is probably where this conversation is going to shift. Yeah. Is yeah. both on the sales side, right? So selling during an emotional time, right? You have to sell emotionally. You can't sell logically, right? I was I'm listening to a really good book right now called Buddha and the Badass um, by Vishen Lakiani, the nice. CEO founder of. Um, Mind Valley has nothing to do with religion, by the way, if anyone's worried about that. Buddha and the Badass. It's a phenomenal book on leadership and culture. And one of the, it reminded me of a study. I said, all right, so the amygdala of the brain, right, yep. is where emotion is, is regulated. And if that part of the brain is too damaged, people can't make decisions. That's right. I want everyone to hear that again. If the emotional side or part of the brain is too damaged, they can't make decisions. They can explain what decisions should be made. They can explain to you all the reasons why they should make the decision and why the decision is the right thing to do, but then they can't make it. Right. And so what's happening right now, patient pop was doing this and a lot of people do, they take a very logical based sale. Oh, you're not seeing enough patients. We can get you patients. It'll make you X amount of money. ROI. Bye. Done deal. It doesn't work that way. You have to bring in the emotions. Why do they want more patients? Why do they get into private practice in the first place? Why are they willing to try to stick this out? What would it mean to them? Are they going to retire soon? Like you get into the why, but then my managers did the exact opposite with their reps. It was still logical based leading. Hey, do your activity so you can hit quota so you can make money. Not here's your, rec- your, your personal recipe for success. Yes. Right. Yeah. Not, not what are your goals? Not where are you trying to go? Not like perfect example. I just sat down with a manager that, and it came from this, right? They were struggling with the rep. I said, okay, what's that rep's goal? Hit quota. I said, really? That's their goal? Hit quota? I said, yes, that's their goal. Yeah. Like, okay. Why is that their goal? They want to make money. How much money? They want to make 150 K said, so, okay. All of a sudden real quick, just a heads up hitting quota doesn't make them 150 K. So there's already a discrepancy between what you said their goal is and what they said their goal is. Why do they want 150 K? What changes for them? What would they do with it? How would they celebrate it? Who would they talk to? Who would they brag about with it? When's the last time you talked about it? And it was like, January. So something, just a tactical tip for everybody. Um, we're, yeah. we're doing this next week. We're doing new year's in July. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. I want to hear about that we're resetting, man. Like where, yeah. like, you know, we can get into personal stuff. Where are you on some of your personal goals for this year? Yeah. You know, like that we all go through in January this year screwed up a lot of that, My the personal goals, income goals, habit goals, relationship goals, all of that has all just of been jacked up. Right. So what, are we just going to wave the white flag on the this rest of this year and say, Oh, or how do we set new resolutions to finish this year? Right. So we're going through a goal setting exercise next week. We're going through resolutions again, the whys behind it, all of that to reset and say, look, okay, this pandemic took it out of us a bit. It doesn't mean we can't finish this year with momentum into next year. So we're going to reset. We're going to bring up goals again, make it like it's New Year's. What are your six month resolutions? How about we get back on track with some of those things? So glad you shared that because I have, I've been seeing some of the best companies that I see. They're actually having second half kickoffs. They're running back. They're doing a re- and, and you don't usually see that. You'll see kickoff at the beginning of the year. I'm not used to seeing second half kickoffs and I don't see it all the time. I'm just seeing it from market leaders. I'm just seeing it from people that have great leadership like you. So I, I'm actually not surprised to hear you say you're doing 
New Year's in July, I mean, you're having a second half kickoff. Uh, to our listeners, this is a really good tactic. I think this is a great idea to level set, get the garbage out, say we're in a different world. Those things we talked about in January, you know, it would be silly to try and say they're still applicable right now, right? So, so let's be real. Let's be real or let's, you know, find something else to do. I like that. Yeah. So, by the way, I want to go back to your amygdala real fast. Uh, for, for, for our, you picked one of my favorite topics. I want to just add to one thing for our listeners. When I learned about that, uh, it, it was in some counseling I was receiving. Uh, and, and I was told that's the only thing that makes the human brain different from the reptilian brain is we have that amygdala and it makes it so we can make that choice. And so we need to learn to use it to make that choice. I think you're onto something there. And, and we need it to use it to help other people make choices too. Right. Like this whole like idea, uh, you know, <laughs> do people buy with emotion and justify with logic? You know, are people emotional or logical? We're, in, we're all emotions. Pretty much what we are is emotions that are somewhat guided by logic. Right. But we're not we're not logical creatures at all. As a species, we are not logical. And people need to remember that and bring in the emotion. But then also, and this is like a super just tactical thing with selling continuing to bring in the emotion, right? You maybe did a good job of bringing the emotion in on your demo. Maybe, very few are good at it, but maybe you did a good job. But especially as people get into the six month sales cycle, nine month sales cycle, what disappears? Emotion, it becomes yeah. all logic the rest of the way through. And they wonder why <laughs> the deal stalls out because people forgot why they were even doing it in the first place right? It all becomes logic. You remove the emotion from it. And now like, ah, never mind. We'll just keep on going. So make sure you're bringing emotion through the entire sales process, your proposals, your follow-ups, everything has to come back to those things. All right. I want to dive into that. So let's shut down what we were talking about culture really quick. I like how you gave us some, some great advice there. Get rid of values, your place of virtues, values, what we believe, virtues, what, how we behave. And you gave some great stuff around that and you can behave however you want to behave, regardless of where you are. I thought that was fire. I thought that was gold. That's going to help a ton of people that took us straight into winning today. And you identified before we even got there, it's more emotional than it used to be. Now that doesn't mean every single sale is going to be emotional, but everyone's dealing with emotion. And you made a statement that I want to go and explore. I want to twist it around like you and I like to do. Okay. You said it's hard for people to bring emotion all the way through the sale. Okay. How do you do that? In fact, I want to just share something that I heard and maybe some of our listeners heard, but I think it was a really great statement that you were willing to share when this all started happening. Again, I don't remember if it was when we were kicking the UK's ass and you said it on, on, on that thing. Uh, our listeners know all about that. Okay. Uh, or if it was something that you posted, but you said when this started, you told your team, stop cold calling now. Because you had realized you needed to move away from the logical sale to the emotional sale. Can you talk about like how you made that shift to the emotional sale and, and, and maybe get into how do you teach people to do that? Because it, it probably makes sense to people logically when you say it, but being able to teach that you're a master teacher, you're a master trainer, you're a master practicer. I still have a set of flashcards here in my office because of shit you told me. And um, can you talk a little bit about teaching teams to do the emotional sale at a high level at least? Yeah. So I'm going to work back through where that started, right? When I made the call to my team, I said, yo, like stop cold calling. Now what's so funny is like people heard that and they're like, oh, what? And they're like, no more cold calls. I was like, okay. It was for 48 hours. 
right? And you know why? Because my team was getting crushed emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. There are objections in sales, but this started to turn personal, right? Doctors were like, do you have a soul? Yeah. Like this is like I had SDRs and AEs being called criminal, being called heartless, soulless, garbage, scum. How dare you? Right. Like, I mean, it turned personal. Why? Because people were afraid. These doctors were afraid. Am am I going to stay in business? They're afraid if they're going to catch it. They're afraid if their family, all that's happening. And here we are cold calling saying, you know, your rankings and reviews online probably don't represent you the way that you think you'd want to be right. And so we were addressing and coming across in a negative way. And so I was like, okay, timeout, timeout, take a pause here. Because there are three long-term issues that could happen here. One, we could permanently damage our brand to a point where people don't want to work from, for us or with us because of how we approach them during a very challenging time. Two, I'm going to lose good people, right? Especially salespeople early on in their career. You get ripped apart enough, you're like, screw done. this. Like, yeah, I don't, don't want to stay in this, right? And then three, that can breed fear across the entire org to a place where now people, now that phone weighs 500 pounds. Got it. And to pick it up. So I said, pause. We need to reset. We need to refigure out how to approach this differently. We need to listen to what the new problems are, right, that we're hearing from our prospects. And we shifted our language to more of a problem-based approach to the new now, right? Before, okay, you're not seeing enough. Before, you don't look well online. The new problem was you can't see anyone, right? And as a company, we made a quick pivot into telehealth, right, to provide something short-term that would allow them to solve that problem. But we took more of an approach of like, hey, like, we know this is scary. Like, how are you working through this? What are the things you're trying to do? Are you going to be able to stay in business, right? And just allowing them to share their fears, share the uncertainty, share what they're going through, right? We changed our email messaging, everything. In fact, it's funny. I had an email that I wrote that um, was working very well. And our CEO saw it and was like, ooh, this is kind of doom and gloomish. Like, can we change this? I was like, we can, but it's the reality, Right, the opening line was like, yo, like we know things suck right now. It's real. Like, we know things suck right now. No one wanted this, us included, but here we are. Right? We know the fear is there. We know there's uncertainty. We know there's a lot of things that you're worried about right now. Our mission is to help practices thrive, and I want to know if there's any way we can help you do that during this period. I yeah, I love it. Right. So, it's so- leading with the things that you know people are dealing with emotionally. All right, so I got to push pause, bro. This is where we start to do what we do, okay? And, um, and I'm glad we talked about this. It was a 48-hour no more cold calling. Why? Not because we're hunkering down. That's why I was hoping you would talk about it. This was not get into the bomb shelter, okay? This was not wait for the nuclear fallout to pass, okay? This was not get your 48-hour kit and I'll see you in a couple days. You guys were working those 48 hours. And what I loved is you used a different word. New problems. You, I'm going to guess, did some pretty serious problem training. Uh, you, I'm guessing, did some pretty good uh, problem practicing because you're a practice master. Can you talk a little bit about that 
move that you know we, right now i've been talking about shifting adapting evolving and you wanted to be first to do that you, you, that's one of the things i admire about you uh, you you like to be first to do that because at the end of the day kd i'm gonna guess it created some first mover advantages for you oh for for sure and so this is the beauty of one of the things we were talking about very early around being process-based yep. because we coach around problem-based selling and because we coach around scripting and objection handling, and because we coach around gap questions, now it was new problems, new gap questions, yep. new value prop to solve. It actually, we were able to do a full, we took a product that we had never sold before in a matter of two weeks. Four, okay, wow. Two weeks did a full pivot outbound and inbound to sell this telehealth product. The only way you can do that is if you have the systems and processes in place to do it. And then we did, we did three trainings a week, three trainings a week for those first two to three weeks, hour long recorded sessions, breaking down the scripting, doing the role plays, reps sending in their recordings, right? What are we hearing the people say? We had Slack channels dedicated to it of like, hey, this is working. I'm getting stuck on this. I mean, it was all hands on yeah. deck to solve the new problem. And so it is like when you have the, the systems and the scripts and the scorecards in place, changing things out is actually relatively easy. Also, too, and I know this is sometimes a frustration for people that work for me, but it's also something that allows us to, to continue to grow is like, I make changes often, right? We hear something new. It's like, ooh, I like this. Let's work on this as a team. Oh, this rep asks for the sale this way, and she has one of the highest close rates on the team. Let's work on that. And so my team also is used to like new things being rolled out. And so it wasn't like just getting slapped across the face of like, wait, we got to do something new. We have to change. So, I mean, dude, we documented it. We did all the trainings. We did all the role plays, all the coaching, all the scripting. We were sharing calls. Every single meeting we booked went into Slack and they had to explain how they got it and what problem resonated with the doctor they were talking to. Why did the doctor agree to a meeting? I mean, we're sharing everything. Well, I want to add one thing for our listeners that some may already know this about you, Katie, and some may not. <clears throat> Part of your guys' culture, and it, and it follows you wherever you go because it's who you are. One of the things I believe is you become what you believe, you know? You know, you become practice. You become change. You become evolution. You don't just do it when you need to. You, part of what makes you you and what your team has is they're expecting that you're going to be practicing stuff all the time anyway. They expect that you're going to be always measuring. Is there a better way than just status quo? Because you talk about like uh, results can blind you from a bad culture and losses will expose bad culture. Well, here's my corollary. Here's the Jepson corollary to the KD, to the KD theorem right here, okay? Um, times of pandemic and times of trial force an old dog to learn a new trick. And for those old sales leaders or those old sales people that say, this has always worked and let me do my thing. Talk to me if I ever screw up again, back to results, right? Uh, right now, all of those people are having to learn new tricks. And if you don't have that conditioning, you really are in a funk, aren't you? And that's where like, you know, my guy, so we went through, you know, riffs in March, which was just heartbreaking. And I hope I never have to go through it again, like just awful. And in, or sorry, April in the way my team responded will forever be 
a a highlight in in my career in terms of their mindset and their behaviors like we we rolled out this theme called rise we like we're gonna rise 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 it was the word of the month and we dot we this okay maniac monday you know 2020 tuesday vidyards on wednesday i mean each day was mapped out each day was scheduled like i mean we we went after it and they the way they responded behaviorally is still one of my proudest things to to look at and then of course go figure the results were there Awesome. Right. It's when the behavior started to go away. Right. It's when, when you don't have something bigger to believe in, right. You brought up the word belief. That's the other thing. And one of the strongest correlations around motivation is belief. If you don't believe you can hit your goal, you stop doing the things that would even bring you closer to your goal. Right. And that's where I'm trying to pull people through right now is when you stop to believe that you can Right. And you start to tell yourself a story that is not fully accurate. Right. So we, we had a team meeting. This was two weeks ago. And the theme of it was like, if there's success, then there's success. Right. Meaning if no one was succeeding, if no one was succeeding, then we can start to say success is impossible. But we have people succeeding. If there's success, then there is success. Right. So stop telling yourself a story that says, there isn't success that you can't do it when it's being done. One of my favorite um, like quotes or kind of parables, I heard this in a book called Three Feet from Gold. And what he says, is, the question you want to ask yourself is, has anyone had it harder or more challenging than me and been able to succeed in the same situation? That's awesome. And I love that quote because we try to tell ourselves a story that like we can't or things are against us. But when you take a step back and go, has anyone, and by anyone, it means anyone, anyone, literally anyone, has anyone tried to achieve what you're trying to achieve, but had it harder, fewer resources, lesser ability, less access to capital, whatever, and found a way to succeed because if someone else did, so can you. If there's success, then there's success, right? And so that's what we were drilling in is like, let's look at what is working. So my managers as well, this was a shift that I had them do and they just finished their, their reports to me. So yeah, just know that if you work for me, yeah, I make you do reports. Um, what I had them do across um, all of June and into July is we called scaling greatness. Okay. I said, for the next 45 days, I want you to study the outliers that are good. Who has the highest conversion rate? What are they doing? Who is booking the most demos? What specifically are they doing? What's their messaging? What are their calls? When are they calling? What types of leads? Who are they talking to? What's their pass-through rate? What's their connect rate? What's their, like, you're going to study greatness. And mm. then you're, we're going to decide how to scale it. It is so easy as managers and as leaders to spend so much time looking at the bad that we ignore the good outliers and that we could potentially scale some of that out, right? So every manager had took a metric, a singular metric. You had one metric, right? Brad, he had um, a um, uh, sales cycle, right? Sales yep. cycle OCC. What yep. do the ones have the shortest sales cycle and get the most one call closes do differently? Faust had close rate. Davion, conversion rate. Um, Crystal, inbound lead conversion. Jesse, access, connect rate, right? Um, Jess, ACV, who has the highest contract value, right? Like we went and they, the outliers, 
and document what it is they do. And now we have that playbook that we can start to scale out, right? Of like, let's not just pay attention to the bad. Let's pay attention to like the outliers of the good, right? Sean Aker said this in The Happiness Advantage, and it's one of my favorite quotes ever. He said, the cult of the average. The cult of the average. How fast can the average child learn? How many aspirins are right for the average individual? How much weight can the average person lose per weight? What's the average conversion rate? What's the average ACV? What's the average quota containment? What's the average income? And then we build to the average. And if there's an outlier way up top there, what do we do? We dismiss it as an outlier. We say, oh, that's so-and-so. We can't do it like them. Have you tried? Do you even know what it is that makes them successful? Right. I talked about this with Brandon um, from Seamless this was a couple years ago, too. And we're talking about like people at job hop, you know, yeah. and he's like, you know, like, what is your picture on like top performers moving jobs? I was like, dude, I'll take a top like a, a true top performer. I'll take a top performer for six months. You don't think I could learn something from them in those six months that I could scale out across the rest of the team? Like study the best, study them, but then do something with it, right? So that's what we did. We did scaling greatness. What are that's the, the title of our episode, outliers? bro. The title Let's of this go, episode baby. is going to be scaling greatness. Right? So what you are just the positive outliers. Study them, document them, coach to them. We've been doing so many more training sessions, so many more coaching sessions over the past four to six weeks. But that's what you have to do. So you just took me into the third area that I wanted to go. We're going to go long and I don't care. People are going to tell me, thank you for it. As long as you're okay. And um, uh, the third, the thing I wanted to spend the most time on, and you've now taken us there is how have you changed how you coach? And you've already, you've already started talking about that. I think the one-on-one is more important now than it's ever been at any other time. I, I, I'm just, I just, that's what I'm seeing for the reasons you're already talking about. And, and I want to dive in for a second. I want to get your blueprint. I want to like learn from well, you what's, how's it changing, but I want to ask you something that you've brought up because I think this is the thing that I see missing the most. I, I have a standing offer to our listeners, Katie, that if they hit me up, I'll give them a free 30 minutes and we'll look at their one-on-one structure. And I get five of those a week now. And, um, and it's interesting. You, the number one thing that's missing more than anything else, when people show me how to do one-on-ones, Katie, the aspirational thinking conversation. What do you aspire to do? And you've brought it up now three times on this conversation. Why is that so important to you? Because it's the only thing that keeps you going, man. Like sales, let's start with this. Sales is hard. It's hard. And if you don't remember why you're doing it, and it can't just be money, by the way, if you don't remember why you're doing it, that's when that picking up that phone becomes so much harder. That's when making that follow-up call becomes so much harder. That's when getting creative becomes so much harder. And so talking through those things is important. Now, something that I do, or I don't know if this is different than, than other people, but like, I like having separate one-on-ones depending upon the topic, Right. So like there's your one-on-one that's structured, right? You're going through the metrics, which by the way, my reps report their metrics, not the managers report the metrics to the rep, the reps put in their metrics. Where are you to go? Where are your skill-based and effort-based metrics? The reps have to fill that out. Not my managers, right? Like the the same reason my managers have to fill it out to me. I know (laughs) the metrics. I have a dashboard. It's to make sure you know what the metrics are, right? So that's how all of our one-on-one start is, okay, where are you at metric-wise, 
Then it's game plan wise. What's going well? What is winning, right? Scaling greatness. Where are you seeing some success? And it's not letting them off the hook there. Of like, oh, it was a bad week. Nothing went well. No, something went well. I need you to find it, right? Teaching people to look for the good even when things yep. are rough. What's not going well? But then most importantly, why to both? Why is it going well? Why is it not going well? I don't need the what. I can see the what. I want to know why things aren't going well. Then we get into coaching and like call review. Then we get into like the game plan of the week of what are we going to do to go do it. Now that one-on-one is separate than the coaching one-on-one where they're actually practicing the things that they are trying to work on, right? And this is where I spend most of my time guiding the managers is making sure that their coaching plans match the metrics. Why are you working with Carolyn on show rate when her access is 3%? That show rate could go up to 90%. No material lift in her results. Get her access to 5%, she'll 2X her results. Why are you focused over here when you should be focused over here, right? So going through that, but then having those conversations of like, okay, why are we doing this? Micro goals. How will you reward yourself, right? When we do our three by threes, how will you reward yourself for doing what you said you were going to do this week? Is it a nice glass of wine? Is it a a meal out? Is it a bottle of whiskey? Like, how are you going to reward yourself for doing? doing the right things when we withhold joy from ourselves and this is also conditional management which i'm working with my managers a lot right now if the only time you show care love and joy for your team is on the results you're training them but only the results matter that's really really important i I think i want to pause on that and just let that simmer for a second uh this was how you started when you said it's not just the salesperson you want to talk about the person and I believe, and, I, and that's what you've just said, and I, I want to talk about it now. Um, if people feel like they're only as good as their numbers, then we've let them down. If, if, if we aren't able to help people live the life they want to live under our leadership or at least get closer than if we'd left them on their own, what good are we, right? Well, and this is where, and I also, what I hope people are picking up from what I'm saying is me noticing our mistakes, mm. Right. I'm evolving through this as well of like noticing things are becoming too conditional, noticing that it's too logical in base of a cell or in terms of a leadership, noticing that behaviors were starting to change, right? Like our Slack engagement started to go down and you notice it and then you do something about it. So I don't want anyone here listening going like, oh, like I've got this all figured out. It's like, no, like I'm noticing and changing as soon as I can find something right? But if something becomes too conditional, who needs more recognition? The rep who showed up every single day, did everything they said they were going to do and didn't get results, or the rep who happened to close a deal that week? Who deserves more recognition, right? But we we get blinded by the results. And it's something that um, I've experienced more here than I have in other places where it's like, as long as the results are there, things seem to get like ignored. And that's what was one of the biggest shifts culturally when I first came in, like with my team and my managers is like, yo, like, I don't care if we hit the number. I don't like how we hit the number. We didn't get there the right way. And I don't like that. The quote that we ended with um, in the last team meeting was be proud of how you work. Hmm, I like that. Be proud of how you work, right? Because if you're proud of how you work, two things happen. Either the results are there or your ego remains intact. 
Because if your ego is only tied to your results, good Lord, get in, buckle in for a long, long sales career and everything else is going to happen because that's going to be rough. But if you're proud, you can sit back and be like, you know what? I did my shit today and I'm proud of that. That's what I want. I want the how. I want the behaviors because then the results happen. This is good, dude. Any, what about anything else you'd suggest to our listeners? I mean, this is good advice on the one-on-one. You bring up something that I haven't heard others talk about. I thought I was the lone voice on this and here you are talking about it. It's, uh, I, I believe just like salespeople have sequences or cadences, depending what tool you like, right? Uh, we have different things that we send to people so we can scale greatness. So we can connect to customers. It's email one, it's, it's call one, it's social media one. And now I, I found that leaders should have different types of one-on-ones and they sequence those. So week one, we do this week two, we do this week three, we do this week four. The one thing that I, I see commonly is the one time it's like this, how's your career going? And let's make sure that we are where we need to be you career wise with us. And I like how you brought it up. You have different types. Any, any thoughts around having multiple kind of one-on-one or coaching conversation types? Yeah, I think it's absolutely the way to go because you need to be focused on that one-on-one in terms of knowing what the outcome is, right? And so is this a deal review one-on-one? Yep. Is this a skill development one-on-one or is this a person-focused one-on-one? Yeah, career development one-on-one. Yeah, I love that. Those are very different things. And so what I encourage my managers to do and I do with my own managers, so like my managers and now directors, when they report to me, it's it's an hour long. The okay. first 30 minutes is for me. I'm very upfront. The first 30 minutes is for me. I want to know these things, right? And it's fully structured. The second 30 minutes is for you. What do you want to focus on? Where are you getting stuck? What projects are you working on? Where, where can we guide this, right? And that's how it's structured, right? And the beauty of this, by the way, if they're prepared for their one-on-ones, which most of the time they are, my first 30 minutes isn't 30 minutes right? We're able to knock out the stuff that I want in a very short period of time. And then the rest of it is for them. But say we get this just happened, by the way, just happened. We get to the end. And one of my directors is like, you know, there's something else I want to talk about. I'm like, okay, now should have been on the agenda. First of all, it should have been there already. Because here we are only three minutes left. And it sounds like you want to talk about something heavy. Yeah, right. But like, so like, we start to talk about it. I was like, okay, let's get another hour on Thursday. So I can be present for this and we can actually have this conversation and not, so same thing. You go through a one-on-one and a rep wants to talk development. Cool. Finish that one-on-one with the intended goal of it. Schedule another time where you can give 30 minutes full on to talk about it, right? When you're rushing it, right? Or you're, as a manager, you're still thinking about the deals you want to talk about, but the reps in there talking about their career development, you're not aligned. Right. So I'm a big believer of like schedule that conversation. It doesn't have to be a one-on-one or a meeting. It's like, all right, when can we have that conversation? I can come prepared. You can come prepared and we can knock it out. So I think one-on-ones, there should be two a week. One is called like plan and metric based. One is coaching and skill development based. And then the conversation should be scheduled as needed. And as those things come up. Dude, I love it. I love your approach. Is there any like one or two things that at this time you've talked about the aspirational so we can, we can say that's on the table. Is there any one or two things that you've said 
have been important modifications for how you coach or did you have a good coaching structure and you didn't have to change much? Um, oh, no. Like, I mean, did I have a good coaching structure? Yes. I know did you I did. Have to I already much? know you yes. did. Yeah. <laughs> like, you By know, the way, go through all this. For our listeners, this is a top five guy that said that. Did, did he have good? Yes, he did. I'm, I've already told you he's a badass at this. But did you hear what he just said? Yes, I had to change. Uh, I, I think this is important, Katie, that people think, oh, I got that on lock. I, I hear it all the time. I got that on lock. Great. How do you do it? Oh, I'll send you my agenda. I'm like, you do this every single time? You don't ever switch it up? Like, yeah, it's what we do. So, yeah. Yeah. So, for example, um, I broke trainings into smaller groups, right? So, we used to do, like, coaching sessions, like, you know, AE session, SDR session, right? And it'd be, like, the whole group. After a few of those on Zoom, very quickly, I realized it's way harder to hold engagement with a group that big over Zoom. The questions were much smaller. So, now I broke them into team-specific trainings, right? So every other Tuesday and every other Friday, I'm, by the way, I'm leading trainings every other Tuesday and every other Friday. My managers are still doing it weekly, but like, then it's by team. So SDR, each team, AE, each team, because also finding that people want a little bit more of that FaceTime because we don't get it in the office anymore. So I took big Mm. groups and broke them down into smaller, um, having people send things back. So this is something new. Can I, I ask a question about that before you keep yeah. going? Can I? Oh, sure. So, so making those more that, so for those people that are listening, what he's, what I want to make sure I'm hearing it right. Mm-hmm. You said, I'm not going to do it the most efficient way as far as getting the most stuff with the most people. I'm going to do it the most effective way and make sure I'm connecting with the person, even though it means I may have to do a few more sessions than I otherwise would have had to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I, I want everyone to hear that. That that's a conscious decision and it's made a massive impact. Hasn't it? Mm-hmm. For sure. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be going through what we're, what we're going through right now if we weren't doubling down on this. And even though things haven't been perfect, I look back and go, what if we weren't? Like, I can't even imagine where we'd be right now if we weren't doubling down on the skill development. Yeah. If we, like, God, like, where would our results be? Sure as hell wouldn't be better. I can promise you that much, right? So, but also this is a shift is who, where the topic's coming from. So now when I'm leading these trainings, the topic comes from that specific team. Right. Oh, wow. So I like it. I'm, I'm meeting with, you know, team spicy dragons or whatever the hell their name is. Right. They are ridiculous <laughs> name. Okay. The managers have to send me their topic on Monday so that I know what they want to cover on Tuesday. This past Friday, we had the AE trainings. Two of the managers had the exact same topic. Right. And this, so this actually, I think, I hope people listen to this. Eric. So two of the managers had the exact same topic. The third manager jumps and goes, Ooh, I'd love that for my team too. Okay. Old KD would have said, all right, cool. Everyone jump on. Right. New KD goes, okay, I see it. But here's what I notice goes wrong when it's everyone on the same. We don't get the same amount of questions. I don't think people feel it's as tailored or customized to them. Are you sure? I'll do it. But are you sure? That third manager comes back and goes, actually, you know what? No, record it with the other two. Here's the topic I know my team wants right now. So we did, we combined two. Did Love the it. third, swapped it, right? But it's, it's paying attention to those things. Yes, it's <laughs> nice to not have to do six different trainings in a week. But it's not what's right. It's right for the team is what they want and what they need. And, like, and just like this podcast, I'll go into the training with a topic. What happens sometimes? The topic changes to the real topic they wanted to talk about. And then we're able to dive into that together, right? They and pushed, then that's yeah. recorded. 
everyone listening, record everything, record everything, because then you can share it and it lives, right? Then they can go to the SDR team, they can go to the field org, right? So nah, man, the trainings way more trust. Oh, this is one. Sorry, I got off topic. Yeah. No, you're good. Having people send in them doing it, right? Like so we you know we've rolled out new products. So we've rolled out like new integrations. Cool. On Friday, I want you to send in a seven minute portion of the demo, you explaining integrations, sending it in, right? So like they, one, what's beautiful about this is they'll probably do it a couple of times and make sure that recording is good. So they're getting a few repetitions, but two, it's the trust, but verify, which was one of the biggest places that we fell down from like a management team early on was like trust, but verify like, oh yeah, like I'm going to work like 70 leads this Friday. Cool. Go do it. Hey, did they work 70 leads? Oh yeah, they told me they did. Oh, really? Yeah. D- did they though? Uh, yeah. Let me, oh, let me, let me check. How, how would I check? Oh, so you don't even know how to check. <laughs> Ronald Reagan was up to something with that statement. Trust, but verify, man. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that there's a lot more than politics involved in that one. Yes. And yes, uh, I use that with my 13 and 16 year old son with, uh, I found that's that, that verifies is the most important thing I have to do quite often. So I'm glad you mm-hmm. shared that. This has been so good, man. I, I, I appreciate you your willingness to just cut off some time for sales leaders around the world. We've, we've, we've talked about the three kind of main things I wanted to talk about. You've given such a great blueprint for coaching. You, you've given a great blueprint and an attitude around got to change. Is there any, before I wrap it up, last thing, I know we're out of time, so high level, I guess. Is there any new non-negotiables? Ooh. I know. I didn't ask you. I was going to tell you this one, but you're good, dude. So I could go off script with you, bro. You gave me great non-negotiables in the first time. If, you know, if, if the sales leadership job is the sales leadership job, that's a fair answer. But I'm wondering from your perspective, are there any new non-negotiables? I do think the new non-negotiable is the person in salesperson focus because where people are hurting the most right now and where they'll continue to is the person side. Right. And it's starting to bring things like mindset and mindfulness into the workplace. It's getting away from this, you know, bro centric pound your chest, go, 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 you know, Red Bull in the morning and whiskey at night. And who else knows God knows after midnight, like it's getting away from just burning people out versus making the sales world more sustainable right so i think it's it's people are gonna have to they're gonna have to because also what this pandemic talk about exposing cultures okay oh you don't have people you know around the beer every day at 4 p.m anymore oh you don't have the ping pong and the dogs in the office anymore and now people seem to be struggling it's because you weren't actually taking care of your people. Your people were taking care of your people, right? They miss each other. That's where. And so if we can help them with that, right? So we do things like guided meditations for the team. We do things like visualizations for the team. We're talking about these personal goal setting exercises, right? By the way, the training that the team wanted on Friday, time management. Really? Nothing to do with closing, nothing to do with time management. How do I get through the week better without feeling burnt out? So I took them through an hour long training on time management. It's te- teaching people how to live better, 
that's going to carry over. That's what I think the non-negotiable has to be, right? Because right now, more than anything right now, my team does not need closing advice from me, right? We drill on that. We coach on that. We do a lot of it. Where my people are struggling is as a person, right? That's where they're struggling the most. They miss their friends. They miss the connection. They're worried about their health, their family's health. Things are getting harder, how can they take care of themselves? That's the only way I think we power through this and then hopefully sets up for a new, new normal. We'll double new it. A new, new normal when all this lifts where people got through this, but we got our people through it and they're better people because of it. My man, we, we, we've gone way past and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I'm sensitive to people listening. I'm sensitive to you. I, you know, every time I'm with you, I feel like I could talk for a whole day, man. And, and I appreciate a couple things. I appreciate your willingness to come back. I appreciate what you're doing for the sales community. And most important right now, I appreciate what you're doing for our listeners of this show. So to you, my man, thank you. I'm not going to, a lot of times I ask the same three questions, but I asked them to you last time, right? And so we got those things. You've given people a great insight on what to, on what to do to win right now. And it's what it is, is to win with the person. And then that person's going to win in what they do in business and in life. How do they get more of you, man? Uh, for people that want to pick it up, people that want to connect, people that want to you know, follow you and, and get more of what you've got to offer. And, and, and I endorse you a thousand percent, man. I, I, I'm a big follower of what you do. How, how do people do that? Well, I mean, if people are crazy enough to want more of me, you know, cause I know I'm a handful in, in myself. I mean, definitely you can find me on LinkedIn. I am at that stupid 30,000 connection limit. So like, give me a follow, like, and I'm, trying to clear out old connections there to like make more rooms. You can connect with me there. I did start a Patreon group similar to you um, inside sales excellence where, you know, like doing these types of trains. Like just last week I did an hour long training on how to run a one-on-one. I'm a subscriber to yours. I'll I'll endorse to my team, to my listeners. I subscribe to you and uh, And and it's fantastic. I'm I'm in, I'm in Rob's as well. And like, I love it. Right. Getting into some of these leadership things that I don't hear anywhere else. And like, I mean that fully, like I'm still learning and I hope people understand and hear these things is like, there is no profession, but find me on LinkedIn, find me on Patreon inside sales excellence. And like, just keep on y'all keep pushing. We're, we're going to get through this, but take care of yourselves, take care of your, your, your headspace and your mind space. That's the only way we can do it. All right, this is the man. He's a legend in the sales world. He's a good friend to me, someone that I appreciate for what he does. I'm going to call him a professional noticer after this conversation that we had today. And he uses those things that he notices to scale greatness and help people live better lives. And if we can take chapters out of that book, we're going to all be better leaders. So KD, my man, thanks for joining us. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Hell yeah. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first I want to thank those of you that have joined my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. It is amazing to see the the community continue to grow quickly. Um, I continue to have people sign up each and every week that are wanting opportunities to go deeper on topics that matter. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there that are cluttered and noisy and, and it's hard to create impact from it. And, and micro communities have arisen in, to help sales leaders like yourself do that. And that is exactly what Sales Leadership United is about. If you haven't given Sales Leadership United a look and if you've enjoyed this podcast or any of the other shows that we've done, uh, give Sales Leadership United a, sh- a, sh- a look. It will be a killer tool for you to help make the second half of 2020 something you can be proud of, uh, which is a topic that Kevin talked about with us today. 
I have some of the very best content I've ever created there. But more important, I'm posting regularly on the things I'm working with with sales leaders around the world. Very current topics, uh, exclusive content and podcasts. And it's something that I, I'm finding is helping lots and lots of sales leaders. So if you want a tool to help you have an insider advantage as you go about the second half of 2020 and kick off 2021, please, please, please give it a look at patreon.com forward slash sales leadership united. Now back to Katie. I'm so appreciative to Katie for the show that we had today and for him joining us. Seriously. He's one of my very favorite sales leaders that's practicing today. If you're not following him, follow him. I feel like we were super lucky to have him on our show for part two. And I really appreciate his willingness to open up on what he's seeing work right now. And our conversation was long. I chose to let it go long because we needed it to, right? But so as a result, this so what will be short. I went back and listened to the episode. I wrote down something and circled it, underlined it, put stars by it. And here it is. You ready? There are no happy accidents. There are no happy accidents. That's what I, that's kind of what I synthesized as I listened to KD. Listen, sales is hard. We have arguably the hardest job in business. It's filled with rejection. That's why I love his commitment to putting the person back into salesperson. As leaders, everything we do matters. How we build culture, how we do the one-on-one, how we connect to people rather than just numbers, how we teach, how we motivate, how we follow up, all of it, it all matters. And if there's one thing KD taught us, something he taught us, but that might matter most of all is to build belief. I want you to write that down. Build belief. How are you helping them build belief? We had a great section on that where we really addressed belief. But if you look at the whole conversation, it all comes down to our belief in whatever it is we're doing at that time. Okay. And so I think we all learned this lesson as kids. I'm looking at a, at a book on my bookshelf right now. Um, it's a kid's book. I actually have had a lot of people make comments on it as they've seen some of my videos. The name of the book is The Little Engine That Could. And if you remember that story, this engine was the smallest of the engines and it had a big load to pull. And it had to go up hills and through scary situations. And all along, the only thing it kept saying was, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And because it kept saying, I think I can, it kept doing what needed to be done. And ultimately, it was the hero of the story, the smallest, least experienced, least likely to succeed, succeeded because it never got, gave up on, I think I can. And, and Katie talked about this so much. Towards the end of the conversation, he talked about being proud of how we sell. So I want you to think about that. How do you create an organization that's proud of how they sell? I, I think we have to intentionally develop teams that say, I think I can change. I think I can adapt. I think I can make a difference. I think I can speak to new problems. I think I can build up those around me. I think I can find new ways to connect. And you get the idea, okay? Teams always have been and always will be a reflection of the leaders that lead them, okay? If you don't see that belief in the team that you lead, you need to rethink how you reinforce belief. Towards the end um, of that show, I already mentioned, Katie said he, we should have this approach that everyone can be proud of. You know, be proud of how you address the market. Be proud of what you represent and what you do. And believe in what you're bringing to the market. And that's kind of where I want to finish. The first sale that has to happen for any company always has to happen in the heart of the salesperson that represents it. 
So go back and listen to KD. This is a good one. Um, Like I said, I let it go long because it needed to. Each and every one of us will be better as a result of listening to and implementing these leadership practices. KD, my man, I owe you, okay? Uh, Chalk that one up that you you got a favor coming from Jepson whenever you need it. Uh, I appreciate you joining us. Connect with him. Follow his content. You'll be better as a result, and your teams will be better as a result as well. And to each of you, our listeners, thank you. I appreciate your support of the show. I want to remind you of my offer to to discuss your approach to the one-on-one. If you've been thinking about hitting me up on how you do the one-on-one, stop thinking about it and just shoot me a message. This is a no-strings-attached offer, and I truly want to help as many teams as I possibly can. Just direct message me through LinkedIn, and we'll make it happen. So, here's to putting the person back into salesperson. KD told us it's the new non-negotiable for sales leaders, and I think he's right. I wish each of you success in connecting with each member of your team. I wish each of you success for personalizing the experience that each member of your team has so they can personalize it for your customers. Thanks again for listening, and as always, don't worry, just execute, because we got you.